0: This is Matt
1: Connickson. I'm the sales agronomist with CHX Egg Services in Oakley, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHX Egg Services, providing solutions for your success.
0: Good morning, farm news on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Conan in studio. We'll have reports from Tyler Donaldson and Whitney Pittman as well. The unusually warm weather continues today with record or near record high temperatures expected in the Northern Plains. There will be areas in the western Dakotas topping 60 degrees today. Cloud cover will limit temps to the upper 30s to low 40s in the Red River Valley and northwest Minnesota today. Slightly cooler temps are forecast for uh,
2: Thursday and Friday. The grain markets pushed lower yesterday. Total farm marketing market analyst John Heinberg says soybean demand remains weak.
3: Chinese soybean meal prices are at 40-month lows on their Dalian exchange. You know, so that just keeps them out of the market a little bit. Then on top of that, we did have some rumor, possibly confirmed sales of U.S. importers stepping into that Brazilian market just given some of the premiums that are there, the lack of premiums that are there because of the harvest and the constant pressure. You know, it's cheaper for them to bring beans in from Brazil than to use the source beans here out of the United States. Obviously, that's a very negative mindset in the marketplace in general, so I have to see if that story continues to develop.
2: The corn market seemed to follow the wheat.
3: You know, it was encouraging least to see us get back above that 440 level, but the charts still are not very friendly here, so we'll have to kind of watch the next uh, few days here. Do we hold that 330, that 436 low from the report day? If not, that could open us up for another leg down. You know, the wheat market, too, just watching the weather. we got some chances of some decent rain coming through. We're watching global wheat prices kind of be softer here, too. You know, we kind of reversed this chart over on the wheat market last week and this seeing a little bit more follow-through to the downside. You know, again, we've got to watch our prices versus the globe when it comes to getting that wheat moved.
0: According to AgroCensus, three cargoes of Brazilian soybeans were sold to a U.S. soybean crusher on the East Coast. Those shipments are expected to be delivered in late February. East Coast end-users have purchased Brazilian soybeans in the past, but that usually happens in May when the supply of U.S. soybeans is tight it's unusual for that type of business to be happening
2: this early in the year the twenty twenty three navigation season for the the port of duluth superior finished the season up four and a half percent year-over-year duluth seaway port authority executive director deb Deluca said the port of duluth superior posted tonnage increases in eight categories including a twenty two and a half percent increase in grain and i
4: think an even more interesting way to look at it is if you there's only been three years where OATS have moved through the port since 2003, and this is one of them.
3: So that, you
4: know, it, so that's exciting to see. And I think a lot of that had to do with the, um, you know, the Duluth Elevator A being uh, moving. There are several ships that moved through Elevator A for the first time in nearly a decade, and that's due to Hanson Muller's recent ownership. Of the facility
2: and year over year, Durham tonnage nearly tripled.
4: You know, even though we're still slightly below historic or still down from historic averages, we did rebound significantly from last year in terms of total grain tonnage, um, and we are hopeful that that means uh, more good things to come. Um, but um, in terms of Durham wheat, was way up this season compared to last year, and you know, so that that was a an, another thing that we were excited to see.
0: In its monthly crop progress report, USDA is estimating subsoil moisture supplies to be adequate to surplus across North Dakota. Hay supplies are rated 93% adequate to surplus. Calving progress is 3% complete. 9% of North Dakota
2: lambing is wrapped up. According to the South Dakota crop progress report, 65% of the state's subsoil moisture is rated adequate to surplus. Winter wheat is rated 53% good to excellent. Iowa State University Extension
0: Livestock Economist Lee Schultz says while feed remains the biggest cost for livestock producers, other costs are playing a bigger role in profitability.
5: There's a lot of other inputs that go into production and unfortunately those are part of those inflationary costs that we've continued to see rise over the last couple of years and those I like to refer to as rather sticky. So when we see increases in those, you're not likely going to see those um, revert back anytime quickly. And so I think that's why, you know, although we've seen decreases in, in feed prices, um, those costs of production still remain near some of the highs we've seen historically.
0: Schultz says price risk management remains key. A reminder, the Red River Farm Network will be reporting from CattleCon24, the annual meeting of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, this week from Orlando. This is the Red River Farm Network.
2: Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. A law that is now in effect means business entities must provide additional information to the federal government. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more.
4: The corporate transparency law is now in full effect. National Ag Law Center Senior Staff Attorney Elizabeth Rumley explains the requirement. So it's a law that was passed in 2021, but the regulations just became effective. And What the regulations require is that people, individuals who have a business entity, so corporation, an LLC, an LLP, an LP, or even some trusts as well, they are required to register their business and identify all beneficial owners with this federal agency called FinCEN. It's the Department of Treasury's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. And so there's no exclusion, for agriculture, there's no exclusion for small businesses. Although there is a, a fairly long list of exclusions, none of those are included. Businesses must register and report who their owners and leaders are within the entity. The definition of beneficial owner, the folks that have to be registered and provide their information, is pretty broad as well. So it includes not only people who own or control at least 25% of the company, but it also includes people who exercise substantial control over the reporting company. So these are folks like the president, the CEO, general counsel, members of the board of directors and so forth. All of those have to be registered with FinCEN. Fines for non-compliance can add up quickly. They're looking at up to $500 for each day in violation with a maximum of $10,000 fine and or up to two years imprisonment on a potential criminal charge as well. There's several different timelines. For companies that were created before January 1st of 2024, they have until the end of the year, the end of 2024, to register. For companies that are created during this year, so for companies created during 2024, they have 90 days after they're created. And for companies that are created in 2025 and beyond, they have 30 days. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Whitney Pittman on the Red River Farm Network.
0: Catalogs are piling up as seed stock sales are ramping up across the country. American Angus Association CEO, Mark McCulley, says calving ease continues to be a focus for those in the market for bulls.
1: Calving ease continues to be the number one thing that uh, that kind of helps them, in their, uh, at least in their breed choice. Uh, they definitely, I think it speaks to the shortage of labor. Uh, that exists across our industry probably also speaks to, uh, wanting to keep a few more heifers back. And, and, and I think folks have, you know, gotten used to, uh, the prediction, uh, accuracy of our genetic tools today to, uh, to get rid of as, uh, as much dystocia and calving difficulty as possible. I'm not sure anybody wants to go back to that, you know? And so, so we see calving ease, um, as, uh, as as definitely a high priority
0: other traits are still impacting decisions
1: we've got folks paying more attention to uh to uh maybe some carcass merit than they have in the past but uh, but if as they're thinking uh, about keeping some heifers back they're wanting to make sure that the mature size on those females are right for their environment uh they want to make sure obviously that those those are fertile females they're going to stay in the herd uh, a long time all those things that we know to be very foundational Uh, to the Angus breed of of making that that good mother cow.
2: The Red River Watershed Management Board has announced the availability of LIDAR data. Executive Director Rob Sipp says this is the first update since 2009. What this data
1: will primarily be used for, uh, at least one, one major use up in the Red River Valley would be for farmers and landowners to use the elevation data when they're doing drainage projects. And so not only will farmers and landowners use it, but also natural resources managers will be using the data, um, floodplain managers, emergency managers, and so forth. So. A lot of a uh, lot of good uses for it, both agricultural and and
2: for managing water up here in the Red River Valley. The accuracy of the old data was within six inches. The new lidar's precision is within three to four inches. Project was paid entirely by local tax dollars in the Red River Valley.
1: Watershed districts and counties all came together, and uh, no no state or federal dollars are part of this. So, uh, local local effort
2: and the data covers the Minnesota portion of the Red River Valley. Reporting agriculture's business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network.
0: Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Bull sale season is underway. In addition to the genetic potential of the animal, ranchers may soon be able to evaluate its carbon footprint. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Tyler Donaldson has more.
2: Researchers are working to reduce methane levels and CO2 emissions in cow herds by focusing on dry matter intake while expanding carcass access and data. According to Kansas State's Bob Weber, it's an area of study that has lagged behind others due to how expensive and difficult to collect carcass data can be. To fight this, research focus is pivoting to improve genetics and genomics as a method of reducing these gases.
5: I know at Kansas State, where I work, we're working uh, with colleagues on some male fertility work, so trying to understand differences in breeding sound exams and how those influence conception rate and male fertility is a way to improve the number of bulls that get through seed stock production and out into the commercial space to improve that efficiency. Work on maintenance energy requirements or maintenance requirement of cows measured by gas flux data, so measuring some of the sustainability stuff with methane, CO2, and O2 consumption and emission to do a better job predicting sort of metabolic rate of cows and understand the interaction of that across season. So lots of places interested in kind of this wave of sustainability discussion.
2: Yeah. Weber says that such efforts can lead to reduction in energy loss and increased sustainability, which can lead to less of an environmental impact.
5: I'm engaged in a lot of those sustainability discussions. Methane's one of the, the primary focal ones from our consumers, and I think I look at it again kind of through the extension lens. Methane is energy loss to our cow herd, and if there's a way we can capture that energy, and you know some estimates say maybe upwards of 10% of the energy consumed by the cows blown off as methane. If we can capture those calories and use them. That's to our advantage, uh, both from a production standpoint, but certainly as an environmental improvement in the impact of our cows in, in the environment. That
2: was Kansas State Extension Professor of Animal Sciences, Bob Weber. For the Red River Farm Network, I'm Tyler Donaldson. Over 15,000 police were deployed throughout Paris in response to the ongoing farmer protest. Tractors and trucks blocked major roads. There were 97 miles of traffic jams reported. French farmers are protesting commodity prices, regulations, and taxes. The prime minister, who is still in his first month on the job, has announced reform measures, but the protests continue.
0: Checking markets this morning, we are down by two and a half cents for Minneapolis wheat. That March contract at six ninety and three quarters. Chicago wheat for March down seven and a quarter, and for hard red winter wheat, March we're down four and three quarter cents. March corn. 4 and two and three quarter cents lower. The March soybeans were at even money, 11 94 and a quarter. Checking in on the farm calendar, the North Dakota Livestock Alliance has its annual Livestock Summit going on today. That starts at 10 o'clock this morning and will be held at the Hilton Garden Inn in Fargo. A big lineup of speakers, including a look at... Uh, uh, building North Dakota's pig Future, uh, we're taking a look at a, a, a focus in on innovation. Breakout sessions going on throughout the day as well. Again, that's in Fargo. And Nitrogen College 2024 happening today and tomorrow. That's at the Shooting Star Casino in Monoman. Lots of things on the calendar. You can find it all at rrfn.com. Have a great day. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network.